Hello there, everybody. Welcome to our reaction here for episode six of Ahsoka. This is called Far, Far Away with a wonderful opening that connects so perfectly to the idea of Star Wars is fantasy. Star Wars has always been a fairy tale. I love it. I love the connections right off the bat, but we're going to get into this. Uh, make sure you are hitting that like button. It really helps us out. Help us get our stream to more people so they can all interact with us on about Star Wars and and have a great discussion here also make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're finding us for the first time subscribe we cover soka every single week we have a ton of stuff out there about ahsoka make sure you check out all of our great content on the channel send in your questions though this is a live q a as well we are going to do a review here for about the first 10 minutes then you can ask your questions live give us your questions your comments your theories everything you thought about the episode of Ahsoka episode six, make sure you send it all in, in the chat. If you want to make sure yours gets answered as well, you can make, you can send in a super chat support channel. We greatly appreciate that as well. All right, let's get into the review. And like I mentioned, Ahsoka is not really in this episode. It's uh, <laughs> she starts out with this, this really nice scene with Hu Yang about uh, storytelling. And obviously yeah now connecting the three parts three histories of the star wars galaxy that was a cool little tidbit we start out with that little piece of storytelling and that kind of takes us into now our new galaxy the store seeing a place that was fabled in these stories that hu yang is telling ahsoka very cool touch there let's start off right off the bat though let's talk about thrawn <laughs> we've all been waiting for thrawn forever <laughs> oh, one of the best star wars characters ever one of the most incredible villains star wars has ever had one of the most layered villains star wars has ever had we finally get our first live action version of thrawn here or at least the first live action one that didn't appear on a cover of a book and it, this is lars mickelson's debut as thrawn with the voice just perfect Seneca, what were your reactions immediately when you were seeing thrawn for the first time you remember in return of the jedi vader lands on the death star 2 cool scene but when Palpatine lands and you got, I know it's all matte paintings and like little figurines to fill in, half of them weren't real, but you felt it. You felt like the Emperor was arriving at the peak example of what he could do with his political Sith powers, everything that made him him as a weapon, right? Like he was on the greatest thing he could achieve as a Sith in, in a way without needing the Force but in some ways out of the force and his influence on the galaxy and all that. And you felt that gravitas. And then he's like, so nice to Vader, but you already know, oh no, no, no. Things are, things are not good. Things are, even for Vader, things are not going to look great, right? So, and that's exactly how I felt about Thrawn. This is a character, arguably is the third greatest villain in Star Wars history, right? And you can argue some of that has to do with the fact that if you think of EU and the casual fan, they might have, like, when they were kids or something, heard about Heir to the Empire, teenagers, read this trilogy, and then as they grew out of it or just, you know, got a little less invested, you know, they didn't think about it, all the stuff about that came later, like Legacy Forest, New Jedi, or whatever. This is their continuation of their stories. So, likewise, when Thrawn being such an incredible part of those books... He is in so many people's minds. I argue every fan's minds the third greatest villain because all the other ones you can chalk up the games, the medium they're in, whatever it may be. But as good as they are, 
it's very few of them that can even be spoken in the same breath as the Thrawn trilogy, the heir to the Empire, to the Dark Force Rising, to the Last Command. So when he's walking out there, the Stormtroopers, I, I, it, it says everything. Like the, there's like that Japanese thing called Kintsugi where like instead of like just throwing away something that's broken, you kind of patch it together with like gold paint or just straight gold, right? It's incredible. You see that on the Chimera and then you see that on the Troopers. That Captain Enoch character with the face mask, that looks so cool, just menacing. And then something about that red cloth, it looks red cloth. It was like, that just feels like that's the Night Sister. You already, that's all you need to know. And walking through that, I felt so much of the same way that I felt when Thrawn finally got clones in the Thrawn trilogy. I was like, okay, like now he's seriously pushed up like everything to times 10, times 11, right? Seeing these guys, I felt that. And, but in some ways I, I still don't know them. Right. And that's what makes them even more scary to me. Like just, we've only got tidbits. Like when Morgan is saying like, are you sure two squads? He's like, the two of us lived here. You haven't. And I'm like, Oh snap. Like he has, he's already hinting at like the gravitas of the situation he's been in. So for him to survive in this new galaxy at all the odds against him, even if he is a genius, the collaborations that he's done, the connections, like the beginning of his like power struggles and bureaucracy. I felt it all. I felt it all in just that opening shot. And I was, I'm so happy because it was so easy to underplay Thrawn after how we depicted him in Rebels. You could have played him a lot more grounded, a lot more of like that rugged survivor, but we didn't, right? We, we got that feeling that we had of Legends Thrawn and it, it makes sense. Again, Going back, the average fan knows Thrawn as like the third greatest villain in their mind in Star Wars history. So you have to feel that way. Ian, he's not a Sith, right? So ah, all of that incredible and still not having all these answers. Just loved it. Yeah, I I mean, it was the best. It was the best shot. Like the way they did it, the way they built up to him. You see his boots walking. You see the overhead shot. You see him walking through the sides of all the stormtroopers. I mean, it was perfect. And we... I brought up last week, it was either on predictions or the live stream, that uh, we forget that multiple ships went to this new galaxy besides just the Chimera. And we also always think of Othron, Ezra. There was a whole crew of these Star Destroyers who went there. So it makes a lot of sense. Now, the cult of Thrawn kind of being built up. Obviously, we have a, a little bit of the cult of Thrawn idea that we had pushed in the beginning of this of the show kind of debunked that it was these the three mothers uh talking to morgan from across galaxies more than thrawn so that's good that he doesn't now have force powers all of a sudden but the idea of someone an, an alien someone who looks completely different someone who looks very menacing and someone who's always cool calm and collected kind of taking control when all these guys are just doing their job and now they're in a whole nother galaxy they're panicking. They're like, what do we do? The fact that he would become a cult leader yeah. is just out like very much so in the possibility of what would happen in this type of scenario. For 10 years, this guy had, is still wearing his white pristine <laughs> uh, tunic from his admiral uniform. And like he is just so on top of it, so in control. And it was amazing to see his performance and Lars Mikkelsen absolutely commands the screen for an actor who 
really has not gotten a chance to shine, not nearly as much as his brother, Mads, who's portrayed villains in everything. Yeah. And <laughs> Lars comes in and he's able to physically embody just the perfect Imperial. He's straight posture, tall, kind of looks down upon everybody. The eyes are perfect. His facial expressions, the way he gives away very few things, but you still see a little bit of that thought process going in his head. Absolutely magnificent. And the voice, too. The voice is absolutely perfect. It just teleported me back to Rebels. <laughs> like, like Yes, exactly. For, and that was the brilliance of, of casting him. Is you, even though, the Absolutely. And there's, you know, even though he might not look like the prototypical Thrawn that yeah. we are used to from art since the 1991, it's the voice that almost unanimously everyone agreed was perfect for Thrawn and Rebels. Yeah. That carried over. Now, the, as soon as you hear it, you haven't heard a voice like that before. It immediately takes you back to Rebels. So for me, that worked incredibly well. And I love the Stormtrooper designs. I love Captain Enoch's design. It just looks so good. And <laughs> that was the first big treat we got of the episode. But I really didn't expect the second treat. I expected the journey to start for Ezra. I did not expect to actually find him at the end of this episode. I really thought that the Ezra plot point would get pushed until the next episode. I thought we'd probably find him around the end of episode seven, and then we would need to reunite all of our heroes to go back and stop Thrawn in episode eight. And we've already found Ezra. I mean, obviously there's a lot Spine hasn't told him uh, the fact that they can't go home. The fact that she got there with the bad guys, <laughs> the fact that, he, he really has no good news to bring him other than a familiar face. But we do get to see Ezra. And Iman Asfani looked incredible as Ezra. He looked so good. They got the eyes down too. Just perfect. So like, what were your thoughts now? Transitioning all the way to the end of the episode when you got to finally see Ezra in live action. I mean, they called him Space Aladdin for so long. Why not lean into it, right? And that's why... I'm I'm so sorry. I'm forgetting the actor who played Aladdin in the live action remake. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't remember, but I'll look it up. Yes, uh, he was in so many fan arts because, like, obviously, once you see them in a ethnicity similar and ethnicity connected anagram in Star Wars, right? You're like, okay, like I want to see that played out, right? And. <laughs> The Aladdin connection made him obvious, and then he didn't get it, right? So Iman, for us, is a total unknown, right? I, I, I saw some, like, photo shoots he did, some, like, shorts that he did, but it still doesn't really give away, like, his acting capabilities, who he really is, how he would be able to lean into it. Yeah. He obviously had, like, a nice, easy transition for me and so many because he just straight up looks like the model from Rebels. Like, season three, season four... It's like, that's the face that we saw without the the beard and everything that we hear. When he's a little bit more clean cut, I'm like, yeah, that's that's as close as you can get to pulling from animation, right? It was incredible. So, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, I liked the, how we got there. It felt very Rebels-esque. Like, this has been a great show, but it's had its own flavor. I would say it has been firmly, firmly the Ahsoka show, right? Like, when you watch it, you're like, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. That, that was insane, all that stuff, but it feels very Clone Wars inspired. It feels very inspired by what Filoni discovered while doing Ahsoka and the Mandalorian episode and 
the Book of Boba Fett episode, Luke, how he's been able to like play around with the who's who's of Jedi. When he brings it here, it's like that's incredible. That's that's a it's a otherworldliness. This feels like Rebels again. Just that interaction, just getting mm-hmm. to these rock creature like things. Like they they have shake they have the shells and. They're also like mini caves for them that like they could like bury themselves in. It, it it's so weird, right? And but they're like they're they're like Meber Gaskin's ancestors. That's how yeah. they felt like to me. Same head structure, everything. And that whole sequence with the ride that she has, those like kind of wolf dog things. Not exactly Nexu, but like probably the closest thing that we could have in a canon variant. And ah, it was so rebels. It was so silly to me, and I was like these lines are cheesy but i was just so happy to see that that reminded me so much of what i loved about rebels that it was nuts and they were having fun with that fact so even the silliness they played into that even if they have some serious matter to deal with and it it felt great like we know sabine has all that weight on her that she's signed away the galaxy to be able to reconnect with ezra he doesn't obviously know about the night of a thousand tears and all these things that happened post his disappearance. Mm-hmm. But we played off with this like a very funny scene where we meet this Meber Gaskin ancestors. They got their rebellion patch because they were at Ezra. They had their whole gang and then we finally see him. And I was like, yeah, it, it's so well tied to his character with his connection, the bridge, both literally with the original trilogy, thinking of the force with a little bit more of the history of the prequels and the weight of the world of the prequels. But here, ah, reminds us why a great character that Ezra was came from his fact that he could connect to these creatures so yeah. early on. Like he was so in tune with the living force because he was connected to Lothal. Lothal was its own character, but mm-hmm. on this different planet, different galaxy, different. Obviously, I know he's playing up even his own persona. I really doubt that he's being totally forthcoming about his own struggles the things that he's done why he's not withdrawn or something right but he plays into like that child like version of him that sabine remembers that's in her dreams and all that and so well done gives us so much it's like a little remaster of like that dynamic from rebels and then that's it now we can go into their new story their adults the weight of what Sabine's done, what the hell is Ezra now, right? Mm-hmm. It's set up so brilliantly. I, I'm so happy. I agree. And it was Mina Masood is his name Masood, from yes. Aladdin. So, yeah, uh, my my response to seeing Ezra too was was just happiness. It's, it's, it's a great little <laughs> moment. Ezra doesn't appear to be any different than we had kind of seen him before. He's still the lighthearted Ezra, which in a lot of ways makes me pretty happy because we already tried to do that arc in Rebels. We already teased it with Maul. We didn't need to make him dark side again, although I would have understood it if he was a little hard-nosed, and a little rough around the edges since he's been surviving out here by himself for 10 years. But he seems to be the same. We'll see how he reacts when Sabine tells him she has no way to actually get him home. But we know he'll end up riding the pergol with ahsoka and sabine again well do we know that because let's i, I don't want to cut you off here but the whole grandmother stuff is at the end mm-hmm. there they're is like deal with it and we see the opening of when the isan drops 
mm-hmm. what we lo- assume are just rings, like asteroid belt or something. Yeah, they're dead pergil exoskeletons. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, so I mean, maybe would, we don't get to see one anymore. <laughs> we might not, but there was like 20 pergil that went with them. I have assumed that true, they'll be able true. to get on one of them. But that, uh, I don't know, could Thrawn have killed all those? They do say it's a graveyard for pergil yeah. in the show. So that's really interesting. I mean, in general, Peridia is a really cool idea in a new planet that it's going to get so much unbelievable backstory here in the future like the, the the hidden the hidden gem of this show is the development for the night sisters which yes. is not expecting yes. at all <laughs> nobody was expecting that when we started this show and they've developed the night sisters incredibly well and it's so cool to see them brought into live action with the face paint and all of that stuff so wonderful the costumes they're amazing yes. but i think i i think we're not going to see a darker Ezra. I do think this is it. I think this is the Ezra we know. It's the Ezra who builds up to that moment where he's able to collapse the temple on his family, escaping back to help save the day on the Chimera. It's the one who is able to move beyond his attachments. And so I'm glad we're going to get to see this version, this team up. And I can't wait to hear about how he eventually separated from Thrawn Thrawn knows where he is, but like in general, Thrawn, and this has been a point I've emphasized for a long time. This is consistent with the books. Thrawn does not care about it. Like he's not going to go get revenge on Ezra. He doesn't care. As long as it helps his goal of what he's trying to do, he'll do it. But if he doesn't have any motivation, he's not going to waste his time being vengeful. So the fact that Ezra just lives down the street from Thrawn and he kind of knows where he is, but he doesn't really care. That's that's perfect characterization for me with Thrawn. And I think next episode, we're going to get maybe kind of a, a bit of backstory on their connections through the time we've seen pass and why maybe Ezra hasn't chosen to try to stop the Empire as well if they're building up on the planet. So a lot of cool things to talk about here. And we already... We've discussed the two biggest things, but we haven't even talked about Balin or Shin. We haven't talked about the plot that Balin is. I've seen a, a few questions in the chat about Balin's plan, and it sounds like he, yes. he's trying to find a way to go back in time to destroy the Jedi and the Sith. He doesn't want this cycle to really ever exist. So that's yeah. really a cool new thing because he, you know, in the earlier episodes, he thought Thrawn had that power to give that to him, but really he doesn't care much about Thrawn. He just was looking for a way to get to Peridia. There's a lot of cool things. Let's talk about it in the chat. Start sending in your questions, your comments. We do have a lot to, to go through. If you would like to support the channel via Super Chat, please feel free to do so. Uh, we would greatly appreciate any support. Okay, let's start all the way back to the top. Haichiko says, what an episode. Dave is touching all the bases. Absolutely, Haichiko. This is... Dave Filoni. We're happy. We are happy. <laughs> the guy has proven himself again and again and again. And even for a lot of those haters out there that we've talked about who say, oh, he's just building off the back of what came before. This is not Heir to the Empire. This is not the Thrawn trilogy. This not is just all. Thrawn. So <laughs> maybe the film will get a little bit more basis once we get back to our galaxy. Once we have New Republic versus Empire, maybe we'll start to see more of the Thrawn trilogy influence in that film. But right here, he's developing his own mythology, his own mythology around the character of Thrawn, 
his own mythology around characters he's created and his own mythology around things that have been stalwarts at Star Wars for years and just continuing to build off of it. So absolutely amazing. Can't say it any better. Just uh, the guy doesn't have to prove himself. I don't think he's even trying to. He's just truly a great learner. And I think the wonderful part about Lucas when he was still developing as a filmmaker before Star Wars took over his life, (laughs) he was an incredible filmmaker. He had some weaknesses, yes, but if he got to do more American graffitis, things like this and that, we would have seen a lot more of the creative filmmaking that he does with his own money that he doesn't show to anybody he says anymore, right? Like that could have been mainstream stuff that could have influenced cinema as we know. He truly was a talent. He was working with Coppola. He was working with everybody. Spielberg in some ways was like a contemporary, but this guy had more potential, I'd argue. And then you kind of stumble into this and you're like, well, it's my life now. I, I, and we're, we're, we're obviously all here because of him, because he made that sacrifice to really throw himself into this universe in a way that he didn't really have to, but you know, enough of him wanted to. And I'm sure that he saw our love for that from 77 onwards, carrying into 2023. And I'm sure that's why he let his greatest student, you know, continue whatever he learned, the things that he couldn't show to the world. He couldn't really spend money on. He could at least show those interests, how he applied that to star Wars behind the scenes with someone like Dave Filoni and from Avatar The Last Airbender, from doing some animated stuff before and now, to hear he is truly someone who has a passion for filmmaking. Now, I don't know if he'll ever become his own visionary per se, but I would not be shocked in like 10 something years who are looking at him and saying like, yeah, this is a guy that the world wants for like a Warner Brothers. The world wants for him to like do some of his own things. In his own way, he could be like a Ryan Johnson at minimum. I think he's got so much potential with his visual capability that he's displayed from the Jedi episode of Mandalorian 2 now. And we know it's going to get better and better. Just uh, this man truly, I think, personifies everything that Lucas believed about Star Wars, that he invested in Star Wars, that he wanted to continue beyond him. Because at some point, the guy had to recommend that, I'm sure. But... (laughs) what better way than passing it on just like some of his most famous characters, right? Incredible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ianata, it just left me wanting more. Loving the show. Yeah, God, you're loving it too. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Those people out there trying to tell you this isn't great, don't really trust them anymore. No more. <laughs> no more. Don't be our button. Papa's back, boys. Yeah, Thrawn. Man. So good. So good. I also, stuff. I also want to yes. mention one thing. I, I really like that. I know, like we were talking about the personification in the art style, the imagery of Thrawn from 91 in the review. And I know Rebels kind of leaned into that because he's like fighting against like training droids and stuff. He is pretty physically fit too. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I haven't read Ascendancy, but I'm sure he's physically capable in those books <laughs> if he has to be. So yeah, when I see him now, I'm like, yeah, no. Lars is just playing him at his age. And I really like that because mm-hmm. that's ultimately not what Thrawn has to be. It's a cool thing just to make him a little bit more flexible to storytelling and situations. 
Yeah. But otherwise, it's his voice. It's the voice that we heard reading the books back in the day. It's a voice we heard on Rebels. He really captured the essence from that textual language, and he brought right. it to an audio level. I didn't need anything more. But the fact that he's gone beyond to do enough prosthetics, you know, it's a very gloomy sky, so you can't really see everything. I'm sure the Imperial mm-hmm. Harsh White, you'll see things a little bit more clearly on him. But he looks very much like the Rebels. He's got the little extra forehead design. The hair is pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah, there's a even a blue tip to his, blue, his hair, yeah. too. Yes, yes. I like that. Tip. And I, I, people were saying it was just black because whole controversy back in early rebels was like ezra has blue hair and i'm like no it must be the animation it's just like an art style thing but it kind of was blue let's be honest <laughs> it's the same thing so i like that they leaned into it for at least thrawn it works into his alienness if they did that with ezra I'd be like uh okay yeah i'm, hair- I'm glad his hair <laughs> turned black eventually yeah <laughs> but uh, no i agree at thrawn thrawn looks good at this age i mean in a general He's older than Anakin, so yeah. <laughs> the guy would be in his late 60s, maybe, yeah, around late 60s, maybe early 70s, depending on how much older than Anakin he is. So th- he should look like this if he just age like humans. I mean, they obviously, we could have made a storyline where they don't so that you could have the more traditional looking Thrawn, but if they do... He is pretty old, so, <laughs> and we have nothing really to compare his aging to because he's not on, like he doesn't live into being super old. First of all, but he would be heir to the empire would be the same age as this. But he has, I don't know, we don't really have any art to compare it to other than the standard yeah, drawings on the guess, covers yeah. of cover of heir to the empire, and then also when they did hire a live action actor to portray him on Survivor's Quest. That's the only other image we have of him, but also Survivor's Quest takes place after he's dead. So don't know if that's like a earlier version. I don't know. There's a <laughs> we don't have anything that says Thrawn can't look like this, I guess is the point. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> you know, it says Dave Filoni knows his stuff. Absolutely. I think he knows at least about the general Clone Wars, Rebels. TV show universe and main original six movies. He knows more than pretty much anybody minus maybe George Lucas, probably more than George Lucas about Clone Wars. Definitely yeah, more than George Lucas about sure. Rebels. <laughs> Ali Martin says, who's the gold helmet? That's Captain Enoch. Captain Enoch is a new character that we don't know anything about. Is it announced to who's he being played by? I looked, I started back from the expanse. Um, West Chatham. We- yeah. West yeah. Chatham. So, yeah, I don't. I've never watched The Expanse. I don't know anything about his acting, but he is under that helmet, and it looks really, really cool. It does. It is very continuing with the Japanese thing. I know you talked about building armor and stuff out of old material, but it, it just in general looks like a samurai outfit when you wear yeah. the faceplate with your armor underneath the helmet. So <laughs> continuing with with obviously samurai inspired design for the show. I thought it looked amazing. I mean, I just love the Stormtrooper design so much in the show. I mean, this guy's got an interesting history. Like, he's not just some guy that we're going to be like, oh, like a Tamora Morrison, right, where we're just going to clone him forever. No, he's got some credibility. Apparently, just just scanning through his Wikipedia, guys, he was on a film that Denzel Washington chose to film, like some, I'm presuming, some Navy military film about, right? And he was, like, selected as part of that to 
do this crazy thing with this incredible actor. Like Denzel's, when we talk about actors, he's he's one of the upper tier ones for sure, especially of the modern age. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he got selected to be in the movie where it was shot. And then from there, you know, he, he wasn't like apparently mocking Jay part one, part two from Hunger Games. Uh, but really the expanse made him this big actor. He he's like he's got some legitimate military history too. So he's got like all the experience you could want, plus the acting ability. And then now you're gonna give this guy the like the common man of this universe, right? Like just the grunts. He's gonna be able to be like the best of the grunts. He's gonna feel like a Captain Rex equivalent, but for like some very malicious, twisted way. Cause Everyone else, they might be missing things. They got some thread. But when you got a mask, samurai inspired or not, usually it does feel like it's covering up something. Yeah, damaged. scars. Damn, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, in general, too, we haven't really seen too many, especially in canon, like cool stormtrooper leaders. Yeah. Usually the stormtroopers are really just cannon fodder. And so it's nice oh, yeah. to get a cool stormtrooper. <laughs> actually with the face especially in live action but in, in arguably general. the sequel trilogy first order like we have the gold one in resistance Pyre, uh, crimson yeah. from the uh cardinal. Faz, cardinal so yeah i haven't read it cardinal in the phasma book they've got phasma. like phasma they've got, they've got great designs i i know we have artwork and legends but Arguably, just by doing like the bare minimum and just color scheme, they they had some iconic designs for the first orders, like mm-hmm. faces of their military. Yeah, absolutely, and they and they've never done it with the Imperialists. It's it's really cool to see them do this. Uh, you know, as we know, yeah, D'Angelo missed your question. What do you think is calling out to Balin? Yeah, that is a big question. <laughs> kind of talked about it a bit there, in at the end of the review, but. It could be, I mean, it could be anything. It, it really could. You would expect it not to be something like a Palpatine if it's all the way in a new galaxy. So it wouldn't be that. It could be something to do with Night Sisters. There are a lot of references here. And, and in general, again, bringing it up for the millionth time, these three films all announced at the same time, I think they're all going to have a little crossover. And there's a lot of allusions to what could be Dawn of the Jedi stories. Could it take place on Peridia? There's references to Night Sisters and Jedi, people flying on Pergil, riding around galaxies on Pergil. Stuff like that could really go back to like the caveman days pre-space travel via spaceship. So what type of forces exist in this galaxy? If this is the galaxy, maybe there's maybe this galaxy is smaller and it's just a few planets, but it's has a strong connection to the Force. And you have the Night Sisters here. Maybe you have the actual planet where the Sith are from in this galaxy, where you could have the creature, the Sith species. You could have the original home of the Jedi. Uh, what was What's that name of the ship, the triangle ship? Is it Toyor? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. You can have all these crazy things. So if we start to get into Dawn of the Jedi territory, like especially the comics... There, there can be a lot of weird things that possibly could be calling out to Valen. Um, or, you know, there's still this, this kind of made me think about this too again. And I don't really want this to be the case anymore, but the original allusions to Sabaoth, right? Just in general, if he was a clone and he was going crazy, just kind of hearing things, there could be 
that type of storyline going on for him too, where he's kind of leading him in the middle of nowhere. And Shin's already questioning his rule. She's like, I don't really know what you're doing. You seem to talk the talk, but do you actually know anything about what we're doing here? And if they leave with our only ride off this planet and we're stuck here, is the power you're going to be searching for going to actually be enough? There are a lot of, a lot of things that could be the case. Yeah, I mean, everything that he said to Shin is mildly like an inspirational quote. Nothing <laughs> like like big, right? Nothing about his yeah. like origin and history. And like, look, we dug into it a little bit here. But he didn't like tell who he is to Shin. Mm-hmm. He just told it how he saw it, right? How he dwells on it, right? He has not revealed anything about him. So if he is somehow like a like an early imperial, imperial era, Palpatine managed on Wayland to like create a clone of this. And we still got the outbound flight stuff and we can connect to the Thrawn, like build out even that era. Cause that's an underrated era for him. I know a lot of the mm. Thrawn canon books have touched on some stuff in the Clone Wars, but that is an underrated era for him. Like he being the guy affecting some of the decisions in the galaxy in an era that is relatively peaceful, right? It's, it's very cool for him to have that history. So let him be a clone. Sure, I wouldn't hate it at this point, but I I do like the idea that he can, in a very similar way to Ahsoka, be almost like this negative equal, right? He has these dreams, this potential almost. Like there's always something about him because he doesn't tell us who he is, but every time he gets to the next step of his plan, I'm like, well, he clearly knows what he's doing. He's got this something special about him right he is growing in just these short episodes right six episodes right now guys he mm-hmm. is already feeling as good as rosario dawson and arguably as good as like ahsoka and that whole character and all her history right and sure it's easier to start off on a little bit more of a, like a mature show as opposed to a kid's cartoon but still he ray stevenson rest in peace absolutely chewing it up even with like a more diminished role here yeah, I, he is grabbing for something. And I like their thought that maybe he's like trying to stop time itself. I'm personally very invested in that that concept because that's a very fantasy concept, not a, like a sci-fi concept. And I'm reading an epic fantasy in Wheel of Time, which is literally about the future, the past, all repeating in a circle, right? So the idea of Balin jumping into something like that would be very cool and fit with a lot of stuff that I'm engaging with right now material-wise, but... I don't know if he necessarily needs to pass. I, I don't know if it's like he finds his own way into mortis or something. It'd be cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's proven capable. But I don't know. I feel like he's still grabbing for something else in the galaxy. And that, and that's a, that's a brilliant thing. We don't know what he's pulled towards. He has dragged Shin at this point along. And she's been cool with it till now. And now she's like, well, okay, we're here. So you're going to say anything? And he's like... <laughs> I once saw a bird and like, that's all it is. Like he's just saying random sh- stuff. Right. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. But this is avoiding the entire question from someone who like you have been telling us again, raised post, you know, the order 66 events. It's a slight comparison to Ezra. there talking about Canaan, right? Like he is giving some very interesting viewpoints his understanding his survival of the galaxy concurrently with a lot of the good traditionally good guys some of the bad guys 
yeah, like he he has survived to this point, right? And that's what makes him very cool for me. But I don't, I don't know. It's just putting him into Mortis feels cheap. Going for something Vong esque, I don't know if there's any space for that in the show right now for two episodes. Because that, I as much as I'm not like the biggest fan of New Jedi Order from the stuff that I have read of it, I do genuinely like the concept of an entire galaxy finding its equal, if not some superior right so if thrawn manages to like work as like a party to a new jedi order kind of just squishing that bantam era to nothing have his more villainous take from those books but also be a party to the new jedi order events while luke and ahsoka and whatever stragglers start appearing whatever new people start joining would be great but at the same time save it for the actual new jedi order film tease it here if you want to let Thrawn just come to the galaxy with the Night Sisters. He doesn't need to make that grand of a play because, frankly, as well as he seems to have done here in this new galaxy, I don't think he's powerful enough to, like, with whatever troops he had with the Chimera, go against a Vonga-esque power in the in this galaxy. Which, <laughs> I mean, if we think connected to Donna the Jedi, I honestly feel that Donna the Jedi could almost end with the idea of, like, the po- people who are in this galaxy populated it from that right. previous galaxy. Like it is not just Peridia that's a graveyard. A lot of that galaxy is a graveyard too. And that would be yeah. insane for me. Uh, but I, I, I guess you can then bring something from this place that is still untouched, still not introduced, could have years of development and then bring it into the new Jedi order. And then you get those connections is it a guarantee though? No, because we haven't seen any Star Wars film that has supposedly been greenlit go into production. You know, <laughs> we hope for the best. These three feel like they have to happen. And at least this show, this new Republic film being the finisher, New Jedi Order, because they showed off Daisy Ridley. Donna Jedi, even if they delay that or turn into something else, at least two out of three are coming out. So if they manage to get all three, what Donna Jedi could be would galaxy far far away the stories that Hu Yang is telling Ahsoka the concept of like even crazier exponential power was at one point at one point there we Jedi as wonderful as we are as harmonious as we are with the force we're like the remnants of that power and that would be insane to think about like power scaling too because I don't think the Vong from what I could tell really ever made use of their galaxy it was just that they were so massive and just volume power strength that once they enter the galaxy it's like they could just overtake it right they had more force that's about it but they never really referenced the galaxy and what the capabilities of this galaxy what still remains and i think that's where the potential of adana the jedi if it really does come to fruition still can connect to these two very different eras Right. That's yeah. That's what I was allu- kind of alluding to at the beginning too of of this little rant here we've got because like it's gonna be this is the the origin point. I think this is the origin point for everything. I think this is yeah. if we do Toyor, this is where it is because like there there can be a nexus in the Force where just things are so powerful, creatures are so powerful. Something like Pergil, which can travel between galaxies through hyperspace. There's no other creature in, in the universe like that in Star Wars. So, and most people don't even fit pergil or fairy tales. So, in general, I love the idea of kind of creating this Dawn of the Jedi 
story where we can actually be faithful to the old material while also having a lot of that technology that might be further and more powered by the force just as lightsabers are powered by the force and dawn of the jedi just as all the weaponry is powered by the force and dawn of the jedi i like a lot of the idea that you could have a nexus point in the force that exists in this galaxy that everything is so much powerful and as as you slowly drift away from it things start to unravel i i love that idea and i think that could be where we're starting here i mean i don't think we're gonna get dawn of the jedi is still a long ways away and we don't even know if it's written yet but I think this could be kind of Dave Filoni at least laying some seeds for ideas that could be picked up or maybe have been talked about a lot when it comes to the proposal for Dawn of the Jedi here in the future. So there are a lot of really cool things there. Let's keep going with some of these comments. Inada says there's so much to unpack. <laughs> yeah, we've been going for 40 minutes already and trying to unpack it the best we can. Ali says, why is Thrawn a little chunky? <laughs> hey, I mean, he uh, he is older, so he's got more dad bod style or really just more older man style body sagging a little bit <laughs> uh, and he's still gonna whoop the galaxy fast don't forget he's looking like yeah. that and imagine him in his physical prime like <laughs> this man <laughs> this man is the voice that's all we need and it's so good yeah absolutely he still commands the screen Turindal says so glad to see ezra yeah us too that was an awesome moment so touching honestly if you've seen rebels it works so so well batasai the manslayer really really good introduction to thrawn i missed the organ though yeah are you talking about the music with that i can't quite hear the track honestly in my head but organ i mean it, it works for all great star wars villains i kind of i kind of in general hear the music from the trailer that we got with thrawn yeah. uh, the original Rebels, Rebels trailer for season three, where you hear that that organ theme. Um, so if that's what you're talking about, I can't remember exactly the themes from the episode. Though. So I've, I've just been taking some screenshots because we've been trying to put it on the thumbnail, bring some of you guys in here too, right? So uh, I have it open still on my other, other monitor. It is an organ. It's just not organic sounding, right? It's not very classical in nature. It is like almost like a electro organ it is very much synthesizer heavy but it's working for me especially because of the visual of being almost paraded through without an actual parade just his troops and just seeing how they look like you're like okay you're meeting someone important you're meeting someone with grandeur with something sophisticated about him it's all there still all the notes that we felt from that um but I guess I guess I can hear see why people wouldn't have like, picked up on that because it is harsher, and I guess that that's also to match that these troopers have not had the easiest time. They are not your old <laughs> imperial troopers. There is a reason why, what two parties, right? That's all that he needs two crews essentially to take down Ezra and everyone else. That's how confident Thrawn is, and he's not saying that without experience because that's not the type of guy he is. He is he can overstep but he's always trying to be as educated as possible. Like even in this episode, we see him tell Morgan, pull everything on her. Like he has not had a chance to deal with Ahsoka guys. Like, he knows about her. I'm sure he knows about her. He knows about general Balin skull. Why would he not know about Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, especially after their direct interaction? Yes. I, the, the level, 
the level here that we're going to be seeing is going to be insane. I hope so. I hope it's, I mean, we're going to get to see the Chimera in action next episode. So Jeez. what kind of modifications could he have done to it? I mean, we see a lot of gold. So is gold a very common raw material to find on yeah. this galaxy? And he's just like, we're going to use it to fix my ship. That's there, there's still sick. just gold nat naturally from the components that they use, which is like, okay, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I mean, he's got the gold, gold shoulder pads. So Thrawn's yeah. obviously maybe gold he sees as a symbol and a way to get people to submit to him a symbol of power and it always has been so it'd be a cool little touch there as well yanata says maybe the food is too good in the new galaxy it's possible though some big animals i mean yeah <laughs> so <laughs> nice sisters creatures. i mean they could be eating pergil that's a big meal they have been known with their magics to do something of that nature yes uh i really loved how they felt the Mother Talzin is the highest power Night Sister that we've seen, right? Mm -hmm. This felt very much like they played with that same archetype of power, of like ritual and all that. But they are clearly a different level, especially because there's multiple of them, right? So I, it's so cool that of all the things that Filoni really wanted to drag from the Clone Wars, he said Night Sisters because it was one of the most fantastical things about star wars when they were introduced in legends they're not the same it'd be very interesting if they bring in some of those characteristics and personality and then have this other level of power and yeah. insanity to them but eating freaking fergal yeah that's that's in line that that's that's even more devastating than just like oh we're blasting them they're destroying them imagine jumping out of hyperspace and your your ride is already being eaten around you would be a scary <laughs> scary flight or fright situation <laughs> they in general like legends early legends versions of night sisters were a lot more like dark amazons yeah they weren't really they weren't really as magical they had some dark side magics but it wasn't all they weren't like a cult they weren't like real yeah. real witches like we see in clone wars so they've done an interesting job building up them here maybe we'll see that progression maybe like early night sisters are less culty and then as they start to spread across the galaxy they get cultier and cultier yeah. that would be some cool stuff but yeah night sisters i can't believe we're getting so much cool night sister stuff like in general as somebody who's a big fan of the dark side and like learning about the dark side it's cool that we get to touch the idea of of dark side magic because that's something so prominent in legends and yet we yes. really have none in canon outside of the clone wars <laughs> and marin yeah and like it's weird to think about but talzin has known palpatine forever she gave him maul right that was a, such a huge dynamic shift from the amazonian warriors to like we are sith users force users like you it's different we may not be exactly equals but we can respect each other and that instantly elevates them to yeah. like a more high fantasy level-esque like freedom right in their power and storytelling and for them to be brought back here and then ancestorizes right <laughs> that's and that they're even crazier more powerful like morgan is relatively low power for what the night sisters have been developed in canon with their connections to palpatine and whatnot even if these are some lower tier grandmothers or something, right? <laughs> I'm sure 
that even though there's hints of them being like destroyed and eaten out and that's the power that is being sucked out right by Balin yeah they're not any slouches though (laughs) like let's let's not forget that the way they've been hinting at them destroying all those pergil that's not easy as crazy as the night sisters were power wise and clone wars and auxiliary material they weren't that powerful like (laughs) that's something yeah for sure (laughs) so it'll be cool to continue to get to see what the extents of their power are in this show in particular like like morgan doesn't seem to really have much power beyond doing this with the map we haven't really seen her actually fight so what's what are the great mother's powers like obviously thrawn is talking about the chimera will fire on the pergil with extreme prejudice when they get out of hyperspace but do the night sisters have some spell to bring them down uh, there's gonna be some cool there's gonna be some cool fight sequences next episode for sure ali thomas asks if if Sonic is cutting out I, I said it was just her but i don't know if anybody hears any technical problems let us know in the chat we'll try to fix them i'm on ethernet uh, i got wi-fi prioritized on google home i should be technically straying the most of the internet connection here in this house right now but <laughs> you never know streaming is the way we're using Streamyards. it's been pretty good for us but the long-running history for us is that it's not the greatest platform for our recordings it's not the greatest for like when we first hit early gaming like if you see lego star wars that was not working that was yeah, just doesn't really terrible. work on video games so if you see us right now we've got a, a, a decent system so it's a bit janky I figured out how to set it up through OBS, but this the stream that we do on YouTube is through their service. So if for some reason streaming or connecting to YouTube isn't great, seriously stress to us because we're trying to make this a great place for you guys to all gather and listen to our review. But really the best part about this is that it is a live Q&A guys. So drop them here, seriously. Like we are foaming at the mouth because there's so much to chew on in this episode, but we don't want to be like, you know tunnel vision we don't want to be an echo chamber tell us things that you're seeing or things that you saw, thought are interesting you want us to really dig more into that's the cool stuff about this that's this being a whole q a so definitely drop everything you want here yes it's insane what we're seeing here guys i'm having so much fun but we're trying to make this the best visual and audio experience for you guys yeah so if there are any problems let us know in the chat alice says the music the music kevin kiner under i mean the most underrated star wars composer for a really long time especially after in season one and two he started redeeming himself from the little shakier start with the clone wars film i did not love the music in that movie but yeah, ever no. since then he's been incredible it's... and he finally gets live action ah yes i know when we look back at season one and two clone wars once we really do like a rewatch or something on this channel i will definitely harp on that like what is this sound what is this music choice but the way he's developed man rebels the way Filoni proved himself as an individual kiner obviously produced some incredible stuff that proved that he wasn't just leveraging the old music and what was convenient he was his mm-hmm. own storyteller voice in the star Wars right incredible mount rushmore right like he is doing some great stuff i want to also shout out his children because i know he's involved them in more and more to the team like it's the kiner team really working on this you can tell that it's a family affair because the depth of the sounds that we're hearing, I, I'm sure there are moments you guys all sat down and played music together and recorded it together because 
we feel that there's such a depth to this music loving it yeah absolutely and and the main theme for so good like when when episodes end and you get the the map sequence it's so oh, good so i love good. it that's that theme is stuck in my head and it might not be as like catchy as the mandalorian's theme but it is maybe my most favorite kind of like epic theme that we've gotten we you know the mandalorian that music is catchier a little more western style because that's the tone and theme of the show this needed some fantasy music that that's a great fantasy soundtrack d'angelo navarro says i feel like thrawn was a little more mean maybe it's just where i'm into the thrawn books and i haven't rewatched rebels in a while uh, in general i thought he acts almost exactly like he acts in rebels and as somebody who's who's read all of the thrawn books he doesn't seem inconsistent with his character and i think uh, if anything he's a little more inconsistent than he is with the original original version where he is a flat-out villain but this is very consistent with what zon has done with thrawn basically since the thrawn trilogy since hand of thrawn all the way till now he's made thrawn a villain that is object oriented he has missions he wants to accomplish them he will accomplish them by any means necessary that's the villain side of him and that's why he rides the line between anti-hero and villain because he's not necessarily someone who takes pleasure in murdering people he doesn't take pleasure in conquering he doesn't take pleasure in being the best but he will do everything he can to achieve his goals and that's the thing about thrawn is he doesn't really have much of an ego and in the original thrawn trilogy he has more of an ego he thinks he's the most powerful thing ever he thinks he's the heir to the empire here he seems like he's still following along the line of i want to get out of this galaxy and now also an interesting point about thrawn that this basically confirms is this is not the unknown regions which i'm kind of also glad about like it's cool to expand the galaxy while also keeping what we have and what we knew but also having now like three big places to explore in Star Wars and the unknown regions being now the place where we still have the Chiss ascendancy and the Grisk conflict. Thrawn is just, he is in exile out here. This is a dead galaxy. It's a dead world. There's nothing. Thrawn has nothing, no way out. And now we also know why, and we sh should have figured this out earlier, but the hyper ring needs to exist just so they can carry the chimera back into the galaxy like all hyper rings usually do, but that's why it's a ring. So in general, Thrawn is anxious, I would assume extremely anxious to get back, not just to the galaxy that the Empire was in, but get back to his people and see what's going on. I've been away for 10 years. I haven't talked to Arlani or Eli. In 10 years, I have no idea what's going on with the Chiss. Have they been overrun by the Grisk threat yet? There's a lot of things that are happening in his mind that, I mean, he could be, you know, if the way Thrawn manipulates people, he could be using these people to get back to the galaxy. And then he's just like, see, ya, I'm going back to the unknown regions because I got to check on my people. I think there's a strong possibility that he's playing everybody because that's always the way it works. He might not be able to play politician, but he knows people and he's able to read people and he's able to utilize people and their needs and concerns to his best interests. And I I think that still holds consistently here. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I know any better because I don't. <laughs> if there's a Thrawn expert on this channel, guys, it's him. Uh, but, you know, I, definitely immersing myself in Heir to the 
Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. I need to go back to all six of the canon books, right? And I also want to just check out Outbound Flight or something to see if it still kind of works with his story. You know, I would love for it to still be the Legends characterization. That is what most people know him from, and it's a nice thing to do. It's a nice creative decision to do to kind of lean into that characterization that we know of the Thrawn that is vicious at times, the one where he beheads people randomly at chapters, and you're like, oh, okay, like, that's who he is. Like, if if push comes to shove, he will do it, and it'll be messy, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. he can be that guy. He can be that guy. I'm sure, though, canon is a little softer, but at the same time, he, he is using a lot of people like assets, right? He is thinking that he can manipulate to the situation best suits him but he's playing with bigger hands than before right like this is not the empire with its resources with its kind of safety net honestly he is on his own like this is a guy as cool as it is that he seems to have survived and done pretty well for himself he is also wearing a nice little tunic that is like ripped and shredded at parts it's scuffed up as best as he maintains it those are some things that affected him. He saw and dealt with some stuff, I'm sure, the minute he crashed into this new galaxy. I'm sure when he was with Ezra, their journey didn't end after the bridge. He was like, I'm going my own way. Like, I don't want to be with you, Thrawn. And I was like, whatever. It's more like whatever they faced here with maybe yeah. subjugating these grandmothers or some other forces. There's a lot of work, guys. Like, so... <laughs> I I don't I think he can be a little bit more mean. I think there's potential here with some of the ways that Lars really delivered it. Like like the, the way he was describing, you know, honoring bringing Sabine and Balin's uh, you know promise to Sabine to let her get to see Ezra, but he's not uh, you know snobbish enough at this point to <laughs> turn a blind eye to whatever Ezra has done by not sticking with him because. Thrawn is no idiot. If he if he has to make a little sacrifice for his benefit, he will. And right. who better to do that with, with like a fully trained Jedi can be, right? Who has all these incredible abilities that you've researched and studied, who's part of an extensive crew that in some ways are almost like a superhero team with just how capable they are, right? So losing him, yeah, I can see some of that like roughness come out. He's he's he he brings some volume. It's only in a few moments there's potential for him to not even really care anymore. Well, care in the sense that he can't care because the focus is on what he's kind of played himself into and his revenge and what he can do once he returns. Like there are a lot of things he can do. Will he be able to? Well, that's the whole conceit of the character. <laughs> Will he pull it off? First time, not so much. This time, that's the most exciting part for me. I'd like to see him get some more significant wins in canon starting with this show than we ever got in the heir to the empire trilogy and i think we will and i i think in general thrawn like if we're seeing him take precautions and the guys waited 10 years to get out of this galaxy if sabine wren and and ezra bridger pose a threat to him getting out of here he's got to take him out he does not He's always been like that. He he will do yeah. that. He, the guy has sacrifices his entire career to save this chist. So the, yeah. he's willing to do anything to <laughs> to uh, 
achieve his objectives it doesn't really matter to him so i think i think it's it's for now it's right you know we'll see how evil he gets i would imagine being stranded on a galaxy in another galaxy for 10 years can make you a bit more hard-nosed and i would be fine with that for thrawn but uh, it just depends on uh, right now it seems like the line is pretty perfect for where he would be at, at this point in his life Ali yeah. says uh, she agrees with D'Angelo, loved Thrawn in the books, but a little different from who he is in Rebels. I think he is similar to Thrawn from Rebels and Ahsoka. He will be sim more similar to Thrawn from Rebels because Thrawn from Rebels is probably the most widely seen version of Thrawn. Yeah. And most people know Thrawn as a villain in general. But I do think we're walking that line all right. Matthew Matias says, hey, Liam, big fan. Oh, thank you. And I think I skipped uh, Nick Syros's comment up there earlier to great Ezra casting yeah completely agree Two thumbs up <laughs> bull run 27 says Thrawn knew where Ezra was and he just wanted to lie to the other people maybe maybe not I mean he does seem to want Balin the, Sabine to kind of weed Ezra out so Balin can take him down but he also doesn't seem to really care about Balin or Shin so maybe he kind of lied hoping that Sabine would die and Balin and Shin would die. He did warn her about the scavengers. She like, he did tell her all the things she was going to come in contact with. So he doesn't outright lie, but I, maybe he just hopes they get kind of lost out there and he can not have to deal with them <laughs> and yeah. avoid another problem. And that is how Thrawn operates. Yeah. So it's a great feeling to know that that Thrawn that we saw in the books where he's tolerating Sabaoth for so long before it's just like, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> this is not good for either of us. This is a terrible situation. In some ways, kind of playing with what I do know about the more canon version of Thrawn, he's kind of letting situations play out by themselves and just observing. And that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, he's letting Sabine with her snobbishness and all this and that. And like, you know... I, I really like Natasha's portrayal here. It's very clear, though, that she is in some ways stuck as a person. She She's probably as close as possible to a 16 or 17-year-old, right, where she was when she lost Ezra. And I'm sure further she got stuck into whoever she was when her parents and her whole plan died, right? So, yeah, it'll be so interesting to see, you know, how... Thrawn uses that to his advantage. He's already complimented Balin for using that to his advantage. It's like she has that moment where she like runs up to him through the slits and she's like, hey, you had your promise to me. And Ray Stevenson just smiles. He's like, well, and then he just walks away. Yeah, so everyone's using her to their advantage right now. And Thrawn is just like, okay, when I need to get my hands a little dirty, get some influence here, I will. But maybe the solution comes of itself. Yeah, exactly. And he does say she could be of use if her use is finding Ezra and then allowing everybody to take him out. So be it. Jared on TV. Now the question is, will he shift back to Coruscant for next week's episode to deal with Hera and Carson's situation with the New Republic? That is a good question. And I think it's one that we are probably going to go back to that point. I see it happening one of two ways. We either do this entire plot <laughs> And don't go back to it until the very beginning of episode eight. Or we kind of start there again, like we just started with Ahsoka and didn't see her the rest of the episode. We start with the New Republic, start with the consequences for Hera, 
start with the consequences for Carson, especially now that as viewers, we know what's coming. We know Thrawn's coming. We know the capabilities of Thrawn and his kind of unhinged army. Now that we know, we can even feel more strongly for Hera and her plight in the New Republic being just a terrible mess of bureaucracy. And so I think we could start there next episode, wrap that kind of up. And then you have the Hera moment where she's like, man, I just, I hope, uh, I hope Sabine and Ahsoka are okay. And then you cut to Sabine and Ahsoka and we don't really see the new Republic for the rest of the episode. And then episode eight starts with Thrawn appearing in the galaxy. And they're like, oh, see, I told you so. <laughs> That's kind of how I see it going. Yeah. I mean, I'm not too worried about the balance myself. I'm kind of viewing this whole season as the same sort of storytelling, the same progression, right? Even if we're starting a little further away than we do in Heir to the Empire, this is still the staging point. Like Heir to the Empire, as wonderful as a novel as it is, and it's so good at developing its you know, steps towards this conflict that in some ways the actual conflict as written in the next two books isn't as appealing, right? Because it's, it's just so cool. It's so amazing. I'm not worried about that because I'm sure the film Skeleton Crew, Mando Season 4, or whatever else is in the pipeline before the film comes out will really, really flesh out what we need to know about the galaxy in these first 10 years, right, of the New Republic piece and then how they handle some things and then why do they regress on some things? Why do we have the populists and the loyalists parties by the time of bloodlines i'd like to see some effect of mon mothman or crew being around here so often obviously we can start off with what they might be doing to Hera in the next episode right like if she's actually in court that'd be kind of fascinating if we suddenly have like a half illegal drama in one storyline but we're dealing with this incredible fantasy epic in a different galaxy but if this is how the storytelling has to be if this is the mcu methodology that Fabro pioneered and Filoni and him want to do along with the other creators so be it I think it'll be good because by the time we get to the film even if it's only like two hours and 10 minutes as long as you picked up some of the storylines at least once from watching all these shows there'll be immense payoff by the time we see the majority of the explosive conflict I'm assuming in the new Republic. so yeah that film should be great hope so i mean it's going to be hotly hotly anticipated after what the show is and hopefully you know even the show seems to be doing really well but hopefully for those people who haven't watched it this is the string of episodes we needed where the first three we were all enjoying it as fans of rebels as fans of star wars but definitely they were slower paced episodes not too much happened if you weren't invested in the characters already they might have a harder time investing you in the characters but the last three, I think, objectively have been fantastic episodes. <laughs> and we just need to continue that string because if this show ends, everybody's like, that was one of the best Star Wars shows I've seen. That was one of the best Star Wars things I've seen in a long time. Then everybody will watch it and their plan will have worked. So hopefully that all works out. Nick Zero says, where's Zeb? Well, we do know Zeb is working for the New Republic as a pilot. But it is unfortunate we haven't seen him yet. Maybe if the next episode goes back to Carson, we could see a Zeb appearance, possibly. We know he's not really in Carson's fleet, but I don't know. Maybe he could join and help out a friend in need like Hera. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't even need him to him, 
be with the crew. I just let him be around the events. It's yeah. just not in his character to at least be doing something, right? Using his skill set, which is in some ways a little bit more basic than the rest of the ghost crew, but it's still so valuable. He's a Lassat. <laughs> Once you have a Lassat, maybe putting pigeonholing him in as like an X-Wing pilot isn't exactly what I expected. I'm hoping his jumpsuit means that he's like a B-Wing pilot or something, because I think that'd be very cool for that yeah, character. That'd be awesome. But regardless let 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 us see him I, if we're saving him for another show or something where we can really show off his his skill set great but at least let us have him in the conflict man let us feel like he's still playing his role here because i get it i like carson being the connective tissue when car when people are saying like we we're actually in the world between worlds because if carson teva can't find you no one can find him. he <laughs> finds din so often right din's like how did you find me on this like gladiatorian planet of these mandos he's like wasn't that hard bro i'm I'm carson (laughs) right so if he's the connected tissue i get that but you can still have him have a few lines i don't think this season of ahsoka if it it is truly the first season shouldn't end without having at least like a moment from him he needs like people to be invested in him like he was cool for them at that mando season three finale uh, of that what episode five or six when it happens but uh yeah yeah, some somewhere around uh, there, right? So, yeah, it was, yeah. It was five, I think. I think five. I think six was the Jack Black episode. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> Why is that yes. like the most forgettable episode while also being one of the weirdest episodes we've ever gotten? But it also, also has like such a major plot point in it. Yeah, like the whole like <laughs> sovereignty thing of like ensuring that the Mandalorians. Oh, yeah. What a weird situation. Like the thing is, that's the thing. He's connected to all of this. So it's easy for people to be like, yeah, bring Paul Sung Hun Lee. Like, he's great. He's mm-hmm. an excellent actor, and he'll bring us, like, some humor as well. Sure, easy work there. Azeb, you know, translating him will take a little bit more money, time, and effort. So I get it, but let him have at least one moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'll show up by the end of the show. Yeah. I just don't know if he'll be a mainstay, but maybe they saved him because it's expensive. Who knows? It's so weird to create a model for the Mandalorian where almost everyone who sees him will be like, who is that? Then then not use him at all for Ahsoka where everybody would recognize him. And it looked so good, too. It wasn't just like him standing in the background. You got Steve Bloom back for it. It was it was perfect. I loved it. Needed more. I mean, not even that. Like, there's a reason why this design was introduced by Filoni. He's obviously Lucas's pupil. But this was the original like Chewbacca design, right? And you're like, well, that was impossible in the 70s, even with like costume design or whatnot. It made sense to go with something more like Chewbacca. But for this to translate so well, being so silly and perfect for that medium of animation, incredible. But then why is it not here? That is the question. So I really doubt the rumors of like it not being there. I'm like, no, there's no reason to waste that model. In a situation where people that are just the Mandalorian fans will not know, right? This is a show where two fans will absolutely love this, right? It's two groups of fans. Yeah. Let it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'll still, uh, I won't forget when I was watching that episode, I was on, I was on a train in Japan <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then, you know, I didn't, everybody's yeah. like, nobody cared. Um, <laughs> But Don Jones says, is the Bindu calling to Balin? 
Bindu would be uh, really cool. I'd love to see Bindu in live action. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm, I'm unsure about the properties of the Bindu, like, teleporting around the galaxy. I mean, he can, I guess. Any being in the Force could show up anywhere. Makes I don't know what's... Yeah, it's true. I, I would love to see it. I'm sure there's a logical way you could bring in Bindu. I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But in terms of, like, Balin wants to find the center, so I like that idea. But I don't think the Bindu would be like, yeah, I'm going to help you stop the Jedi and the Sith. I'm going to just help you completely wipe out <laughs> this this string from the galaxy. Because the Bindu is more of a passive observer, gives his advice, but he doesn't really take an active roll until a pawn fired upon and he has to protect himself and his planet so i yeah i don't really see i don't really see it being bindu but it could be it could be never never roll it out he could also just be with how weird of a character he is and just he's i like the idea that he's a one of a kind because he's also just so cocky and arrogant at times that i'm just like if there's more of him, I don't know how I could handle that. But <laughs> if there's like ancestors or something that are like very different, very different usage of the force, yeah. he's just like some sort of like manifestation slash evolution of them into another galaxy that's, you know, you can do crazy things with the force, but having similar species start off in the same way, like the world and how we understood our history changed when we realized continental drift was a thing that Pangea and all these things were. That we, the globe was all connected at one point do that with galaxies and use the force that'd be a great way to still still have familiar designs because you can still make this the alien galaxy but it doesn't hurt to have some like familiarity right i, I like the designs introduced here but there are definitely elements of like yeah a wolf like dogish creature they're all kind of being going to be the same have a lot of attributes yeah like we said <laughs> can't <laughs> Our freaking Colonel, um, what's uh, Maxon or whatever his name is from D Squad, those oh, like Beaver Gaskin, yeah. <laughs> like the evolution with like shell on them or some ancestor, whatever it may be, right? Like, yeah, those are different for most people, totally new. For me, I still had like some connection to them. And obviously, the night sisters and the grandmother and mother tells, and that all looks similar to me. But if they continue going wild here, yeah, I. And it would not be bad to have like this lineage of like different similar species in different galaxies planted by the force, right? Mm -hmm. Just Star Wars fans still need to have some visual cues that it is one of the most innovative in its visual language with effort put into building the world and literally the background of scenes. I'm sure they can do that with galaxies too. Could I would love to see I would love to see Bend live action though. I mean that would be talk about Zeb being expensive. Bendu would be really expensive. <laughs> I saw he's but, like a twelve to one model to for Ahsoka, like in like when they do like the miniature size. So uh, I'm like that's massive. The volume is not that tall. Like that's just green screen, maybe. But how are you gonna make him feel like weighty and so ethereal at the same time? Like yeah. <laughs> movie, not a show. Yeah. Hey, I hope this movie gets a four hundred million dollar budget. Let's go for it. It won't Dying make money gets back, it. Though, it sure, <laughs> Star Wars can get it. That's a better yeah. billion dollar chance these days. Yeah, a lot better. Dopey, our button in the subtitles. The stormtroopers are called night troopers. So are they dead and now magic? They, I, I like to believe. I mean, personally, I would prefer to believe they're just crazy obsessed stormtroopers who are now 
part of this cult of Thrawn. And Thrawn, being the survivor he is, has kind of brought in the Night Sisters to now play this firm hand role and, and kind of subjugate these people and make them realize their forces beyond their control. But Thrawn is able to stand up to them. So Thrawn is able to stand up to them so well they're serving Thrawn. So yeah, I kind of like the idea of them just being inspired by Night Trooper Magic, maybe also given weapons uh, of Night Sisters designed weapons night sister kind of enhanced weapons through uh night sister magic that would be really yeah. cool uh, but they also all could be dead i wouldn't rule that out we did see Maroc was in, uh powered by night sister magic so yeah. anything's possible thrawn also does make a comment at the end of the episode where when um, morgan is like that's impossible that ahsoka is alive and he says but you should be as familiar with anybody about the ability for Night Sisters and Jedi to both die and resurrect. So I thought maybe at first when I heard that line, I thought, is that a shot like at Morgan? Did she die in Dathomir when Grievous attacked? And did she come back? Is there something there? Uh... Or are we just talking about her ability to possess Maroc or something like that? There are a lot of cool ideas I wouldn't discount that these, because that could be like your clone replacement, basically. Yes. Thrawn had all the clones in the Thrawn trilogy being, that was his army. Those were his stormtroopers. And they were basically, back then, they were just drones. They were mindless. They just were, did whatever he commanded. So what better than have a zombie army to do the same thing? Yes. But also, at least a little bit of its pomp if, like, a bunch of zombies are standing there uh, escorting yeah, Thrawn. Uh, <laughs> like, we grew up in the Walking Dead generation of, like, when premier dramas were, like, reaching their peak. And then now the streaming era is, like, the next step. And in some ways, we're still in the infancy of that because they're throwing money at the screen for some insane things. But a prestige drama like Mad Men or Breaking Bad still had some true incredible script writing. And as much as we're praising Filoni and all that, I, I don't know like it, we're still we're still too early on this to be like oh you know we're just gonna uh, make these troopers all dead because they crashed on this planet and all that no because if you really want this to be as equivalent to the delicacy of Zahn's writing the intricacy of the details of how he literally manages his own supply chain across the galaxy as he encroaches more and more on the galaxy he's building his galaxy by taking over the galaxy i'm yeah. sure the things that are happening with the grandmothers and all that he's not just like saying yeah you can throw some magic at that i'm sure he's had some component of like what he's worked on with his troopers that have been powered by the supercharged by this magic because we saw a lot of them carrying these like not like human-sized barrels but something that you can maybe yeah. grow something in like almost like yeah, mini tanks like or something yeah, so I was like, this is this is like, this is where I see the magic's full potential, right? You're using it to power the people he needs, the survivors, the ones who've managed to stay alive this long. Because I'm sure on a Star Destroyer, you can have that much more snow, uh, stormtroopers than we saw, right? So right. these are the the elite that we were witness to. Some of them are dead. I do believe that. I think some of them are possessed in the same way Savage Press was, right? He is a little weaker. He does win his fights and all that. And it'd be very interesting if, like, Thrawn was like, yeah, Night Sisters, I heard about Talisa doing this. You mind doing that? I want to see who are the best of the best and to, like, use as samples, right, for 
better flesh and blood clones or something. Because he doesn't need to deal with all the complexity that a Zahn had to deal with. It would have like cloning. What does cloning do? How do we speed it up? All this and that. We can right. still do the speed up, but now we can use magic. Right. So right. it's a it's a little cleaner, but I still think he needs to be putting obviously his own plans into effect. He's it's not he's not the type of guy to just take from others. He's very reciprocal. The only person he's not with is Sabbath. And that's because Sabbath is insane. He has to be like tempered and controlled in his plans, right? So it makes sense. But he gives a lot of leash there. Otherwise, he's he if people are like, we'll do this for you, Thrawn, he's like, okay, I'll put some people here, I'll move some things along there. He knows how to do, work his bureaucracy here. So I'm sure that he's like, I can be the R and D department while you guys hone out the best of the best, keep them alive, possessed, powered, whatever it may be. You can bring up some death troopers iconography where like what if like one of them is like the plate is taken away and or maybe we see Captain Enoch's face and it's just like raw flesh wriggling yeah, or something. I I think that's a strong possibility. Insane stuff to think about where we can combine all the crazier things that we've seen, the more weird force magic y stuff that right. haven't even been connected to Night Sisters. We can expand on that too, right? So very cool yeah. stuff to see. And I I think I have a direct comparison for for uh enoch as well with the night sisters i mean mother talzin completely redesigns savage's body through night sister yeah. magic so she could have done the same thing for maybe some someone as a trooper who proved himself to thrawn and thrawn's like this is my guy basically super soldier serum him and turn him into my evil stormtrooper captain america type thing like yeah. that would be really cool and he has that type of like when he when he speaks in this episode he has that same kind of raspy, operatic, muffled, kind of uh, robotic-sounding voice that we heard from Maroc as well. So it could yeah. be a similar type of enhancement towards that character. Uh, Insurgent Ewok, <laughs> I like the name, it says Grand Elon Thrawn, evil vibes. Yeah, I mean, I thought he actually <sighs> looked less like Elon throughout the episode than he did in that original shot. But he still, you know, he still get the right angle. He still does look like elon but i will say one thing as a current major elon hater i'm glad that the first shot that we saw in the trailers and everything was not on his bridge because i feel like elon would be like all right that's my new profile picture on my throne i'm some (laughs) super smart guy on a bridge of a ship no it's a guy meeting in the cellars of like some old dead castle that these night sisters occupy that's even he's got some survivorship in there so I, i like that we don't just have him just First of all, he doesn't look like Elon a lot of shots. When he's an Eastern European guy, Elon's a South African. There's definitely differences in how they look, makeup or otherwise. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm I'm glad that he didn't have to have his best work in the shot that would have been easily taken over by t- Twitter's current uh, overlord. It would be the hottest X profile picture you could get out there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Padme exactly. says Thrawn at the end asked the sisters to do something with dark magic. Do y'all think they will? What do you all think they will do? More ships? I don't know. More ships. I could see them casting some spell that maybe puts a shield around the planet, casting some spell that could it resurrect some pergil out in space that attacked the pergil <laughs> as that uh, Ahsoka is going to be flying in. Can they they create some weapon, shoot like a lightning bolt in the sky that just kills the Pergil and Ahsoka has to escape? I think it's going to be some type of weapon more than manifesting ships. 
but we'll see. I I think uh, just the addition of three like mother level night sisters is pretty crazy considering only ever seen one. So and these these are grandmothers for Grand Admiral yeah. Thrawn, right? Like there's just a, a very it's a very blunt in the face way of like making them almost equals, right? They have the mm-hmm. same word in the name. <laughs> I started to get a little worried there at the beginning of the episode too when they show up and they're like, where's Thrawn? They're like, you will have to wait for him. I was like, no, was like, oh, no, don't make me wait two more <laughs> yeah, episodes. I was pissed about that for a second. <laughs> don't make and me wait like, two more episodes. He is coming. I'm like, oh, thank yeah. God. And I, I like the immediately his entrance, right? You could feel physically whatever power that he has. He's more powerful than them because we've never yeah. seen a Star Destroyer place. We've seen it over... Uh, Jeddah City, all right. That's an already iconic shot for him to go over this like castle, like uh, you know, just platform that he has, and then drop down and just walk off from his ship. Yeah, that was that was sick. I was like, okay, I'm mistaken. <laughs> we're we're not playing around here with his intro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was perfect. Anthro Wobbly, the potential being opened up here for telling stories both in the past and present is honestly immense. They're setting up so much stuff in this; it's amazing. Completely agree, Anthro. This is, this is, so I have a video coming out too that I've been working on for a while, basically about everything we talked about for a long time. Ahsoka is the key to the future of Star Wars. It's everything, everything being set up is starting here. So completely agree. Awesome. Matthew Matias, Liam, what do you think about Howler, about that Howler and the turtle-like creature? I see some common themes where creators create cute characters uh yeah i mean those will yeah. definitely be sold at disney parks i mean we saw <laughs> nubs from young jet adventures people who have not seen that show or don't even know it's from a star yeah. show they're like i'm i'm buying that that's so adorable yeah there was a lounge fly of nubs uh when i was in when i was in disneyland there was a lounge fly of nubs for 90 dollars, and people were we're wearing it. And I'm like, you have not watched the show meant for four-year-olds. <laughs> but hey, yeah, anything's possible. I did love what the Filoni did with these characters. You might be, I mean, in general, every single Star Wars project that comes out has a new cute character, right? There's the Porgs in Last Jedi. There was BB-8 in The Force Awakens. They tried to do it with Dio in The Rise of Skywalker. Didn't re- that one didn't really work out much. Then you had Grogu. So all of these shows have something, but Filoni's always incorporated animals into his work. And I think here it's just another way to continue to push the connection between Ezra and the world and then, you know, versus other characters in Star Wars because Ezra is so attuned to animals. Yes, uh, it's, it's I, cute I did like too. It, it's a cute thing to do too because it's, a, it's like a remembrance of like, hey, we did start off... Filoni's individual journey in a TVY7 show connecting with animals is such a cool kids thing to really be able to explore and understand about our world but then doing it in this way in this live action medium it's like a little remembrance of that right like mm-hmm. I liked what Natasha had to deal with that is not the easiest thing to act through by herself <laughs> no. with a CGI creature I'm sure she had some animatronics for the turtle guys because they looked a little bit more yeah it looked textured. the close-ups did look yeah uh, like puppets yeah, when it was like when you saw the gang come together, I'm like, okay, some of them are not right. They, I like the way he's using CGI too. I don't know if it's him or his CGI director, but making the choice of saying, hey, some of these are practical. 
the ones that are like kind of interspersed in this crowd, but maybe right. a little closer. The rest are CGI. He did it with the clones. It seems like he might have even done it here, and that's a great way to use combining. I mean, this show is this whole Maniverse has been innovating what this whole early streaming era is going to look like. You know, everyone says streaming is dead. I don't think it's dead. It's just everything's too expensive right now. In 10 years, these things will be incredible. But in a way that the sequel trilogy, maybe we fell behind to the MCU, what they're doing here with a lower budget overall, but like innovating into what the movie budget in the 10 years, once we actually start getting back in the movies, Star Wars will be, again, the technical leader of the industry i think people have let the mcu have that for too long and i know they're both disney properties now but mm-hmm. ilm being so intrinsically evolving because of star wars is something i always want to see i know we have indiana jones and all these other things but star wars has always i mean the things that we're using on our computers today like how we're editing on an nle system is because of lucas's investments in 1979 right like that's incredible to think about i want this to be a show that really showcases, hey, we've had a couple years, pandemic, everything's kind of settled down. I know the writer strike and actor strike is happening. Again, fully support them on this channel. What they're going through as artists, we want to go into that industry one day in our own way. This would not be the greatest time, clearly, because the things that studios are trying to do against average normal people who can't afford things, who have terrible conditions for their workforce, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about. But yeah, but even with all those problems, as much support we give to them, this was obviously made before a strike happened. And you can tell post-pandemic what they started off in 2019 before the pandemic. What we've evolved into is so great for Ahsoka. I can only imagine when the New Republic film comes out. Because like the technology was used in the Batman looked incredible. I can only imagine mm-hmm. what the New Republic film is now. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope they... Really double down. I mean, Bob Iger's original approach with Disney was quantity, or I mean, quality over quantity. It shifted with the implementation of Disney Plus and then got ridden out by Bob Chapek. So I do think, just like Force Awakens before it, they're going to double, triple, quadruple down on trying to make the New Republic film the best possible film it can be, both visually and creatively, because they know that Star Wars. Is not really on paper a damaged franchise financially, but there's was mixed reception to what they did before. And so you don't want to dive back in to film and have it be mixed again. So that is, I think, their goal. Inada, the gold, gold armor and ships remind me of Kylo Ren's helmet in The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I kind of same similar mm-hmm. with like the red streaks through it. Like do we see cool super thought. super big monkeys or something like the same species <laughs> and we're like are you kidding me now there's like an ancestor to the guy who made the kylo Ren ford's mask <laughs> sure why not <laughs> hey anything's possible in the new galaxy you never know <laughs> so we're gonna start wrapping it up here pretty soon we're at an hour and a half so make sure you send in your last few questions if you want to absolutely make sure you get one on the show send in a super we'd greatly appreciate your support all right uh next matthew matthias why is Dave being such a tease? Sabine is force sensitive or not? Mm. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's teasing in this episode particularly. I think in general, maybe that creature was a little more like a dog, so it kind of obeys the commands he's she sees the way it obeys the stormtroopers as well. Um I but maybe in general, Ezra's connection to the force as Rabin around 
kind of soothes these creatures. There's, I, I don't think we're seeing Sabine really be force sensitive. It's not like she walked up to the the creature and we like put her hand on it and then closed her eyes and then felt for a moment and then it just calmed down. She was stern and yelled at it. So I, I yeah, don't believe yeah. there's anything about force sensitivity here. That that's all her personality, right? That's that's the rebel of Sabine like coming out like, don't cross me. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm a good person. Don't be mean to me. And she was, it, was, it was silly, right? That's that's kind of the whole point of some of her more kindred tantrums, right? They're, they're a little silly too when she really think about it. She's no much older than Ezra. She's like a year older. She's not that much mature. She's also crazier as Mandalorian. So right. <laughs> it's just uh, I liked what they did there, but again, no, it's not the Force. Some visual fake outs, like when they're like the Jedi, the grandmothers are saying, right? And yeah. She's like, not me. Like, it's, it's definitely them, right? And she smells of Jedi. Yeah, that she smells of Jedi. I can see that. If they do really try to, if Filoni is truly doing this like long game of having Sabine in a moment of crisis when she's truly needing the Force, when she can fully focus in and hone on it, if he's really taking that early days Lucas concept of everyone can connect to the force and wield it. It's not necessarily midichlorians or anything. It's just, you have, some are just better talented, better invested bloodline, whatever it might be. Something about them is better in tune with the force, right? If we do manage to make her like almost like a, like a star Wars equivalent of like the Harry Potter squib, but with some magical property in this one desperate moment, I would not mind that for the character. Cause you still fake her out. And I think the visual fake out still works but you can also read it five, six years in the future. Like, hey, that, that was them um, also like kind of hinting that there's something special about Sabine too. And if it wasn't mm-hmm. Jedi or Sith-esque or Night Sister-esque. I think, I still think it's possible. I'm not torn one or sold one way or the other. And again, I don't really care if she's force sensitive or not, as long as the story's done right. Um, and I think yeah. with a lower power level, I, I would be cool with it as long as, Again, I've said it a million times on the streams, as long as she doesn't become like the new most powerful Jedi is flying around on her jetpack, cutting things down with their lightsaber because she's so powerful. Just, yeah, as long as it's not that, which I don't think they would do that, then I'm cool with any little force sensitivity. Finn K says, really enjoyed the episode. Hate the pacing of Disney Plus content, though. Are you, you mean the you mean the shorter episodes or the way? I mean, I don't I thought this episode was paced fine. But in general, yeah. I, I get maybe the beginning. I mean, yeah, I think that's it's the very it's that's a similarity. I think these shows still have to like the MCU shows that they start off with like origin, but nothing really kicks in till like the fourth episode. Like you can argue that this show doesn't really capture its hype until that fourth episode, and it had only two weeks, sure. But even the third episode, as cool as it was to see Ahsoka fight in space, it's nothing compared to what we've been able to witness now, right? So. I get it, but I think the way that they're almost like leaning into these fantastical, more magical elements of the story, they're also going to lean into some fantasy tropes. And I think a big fantasy trope that's there in Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, Game of Thrones, all the major fantasies, even Harry Potter, all that, everything is a little slower the first couple of like setup seasons or whatever. Once the story really kicks off, though, it's like the Dragon Ball Z evolution. Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z, you're like, what's happening? I'm sure it'll happen here with the storytelling. The pacing will naturally accelerate from that. But treat this as like a setup to being able to do that. That's how I feel. And I think that's what makes it digestible. 
And then we right. still get to see these cool things. So I think Ahsoka with the lore bits embedded in every shot, that naturally just makes it better. Yeah, I think I think we're we had to have the introduction point for these characters. Most people have no idea who they are. Now we're here. We're we've yeah. got it. We've had the backstory last episode. Like on you know, if you break it down on paper, last episode was exciting and amazing for all of us. But in general, it really was just to get people caught up on who Ahsoka is. And now that you are, now we can do whatever we want. Uh, Battersai the Manslayer says, what is calling for Balin? We just, we kind of talked about that a little earlier, but it could be anything. It really could be something that we have no idea what it is. I mean, Filoni did create Bindu for Rebels. There could be a completely new concept that he wants to introduce here. Battersai again says, what is going to be for what is going to be for Balin surprising death at the end of the season, writing him off or deep fake. I think we still have to see where the next couple episodes go. I think maybe by the end of next episode, we'll be able to tell. I kind of thought at the beginning of the show that he would die at the end. I think, especially with the progression of how we see this idea of masters and apprentices and them being the opposite of the Jedi, right? Where I think we're going to start to see Ahsoka and Sabine become one by the end of the show. This relationship, I think Shin's going to end up trying to kill Balin or maybe whatever Balin gets himself into, he can't really get himself out of. And I think he could die or it could be up to your interpretation whether he's dead. Maybe they were going to bring him back, but decide to write him out. But I don't think, I think Deepfake would be absolute last resort. I do think we would recast over Deepfake. I, I agree. I think the recast is going to happen. If anyone you can argue has suffered from the pacing, like you were mentioning, uh, Finn K, I guess it would be Balin because he's the one who has the most potential richness to be the foil to Ahsoka. And we took a while for even Ahsoka to really get into that too because we had to make space for these Rebels characters. And now one of them is gone. So now how do you occupy the space? Give it back to Balin. So episode six is a little late, I think. And the way, like we mentioned, he's feels like he's just saying inspirational quotes still or like i say things and i know things right like he's he's kind of like that peter dinklage character right so i i i i'm assuming that we're not going to finish his story at this point now of course the next episode could accelerate it and it could be finished here and he could have like the weight in the whole plot that's been built up and really pushed into acceleration by ahsoka he has like the ultimate level of like a Gideon but I don't think we want to do a disservice to him being an order 66 survivor uh we've seen them in games books and shows it's been great but we need time with them to really justify it it took me really until the the end of the first game of the Jedi Fallen Order to really feel like Cal was worth being another survivor it took me till season two of Rebels to really feel like Kanan and Ezra being Jedi was worth it right and the potential problems that created it was we need that from balin even if he's like i'm not a jedi i trained you to be something else like to shin we still need to see what he thinks of himself he still hasn't really revealed that and i think unfortunately we won't see that ray stevenson i think it'd be interesting if we get a little bit more tied into like whatever he deals with maddens him i think that'd be pretty cool if you want to bring that more of that sabbath personality of like things suddenly accelerating with his deteriorating mind 
I'd like to see maybe some of that happen with him with whatever he encounters, whatever he gambles on. That'd be sure. cool. That'd be yeah. honorable of like that book. But I would also still like them to be sane and still be this compelling villain. Just have this version before it shifts to that next version be covered in books or something or connected to like an animated miniseries of like Tales of the Jedi or something, right? Do something cool with him there. And then whoever steps into the shoes, hope you really pull directly from the source. Don't just be inspired like some of these actors are being with their Rebels counterparts. Here, just please do try to be like him and grow out of him eventually. Like this is not the situation of like Harry Potter where we get a new Dumbledore and he's suddenly just like running mad and yelling at Harry in a scene that was very calm and goblet of fire, right? I don't want that shock to happen to me. I want it to be like, okay, it's different. We'll accept it and move on. Just be a recast. That's all we need. It, I think it will. If he lives, it will be a recast. I don't. Yeah. I don't see any way in which they will write him out of the story, or unless his his story was like going in a separate branch, right? If it was going in a separate branch, maybe you're like, okay, we'll answer it in a book later. Or he goes back in time, right? Like if we're seeing with Donna right. the Jedi connections, like he finally manages to control and end the cycle that he's talking about. But he yeah. accidentally, that's the downside of it. He's back at the beginning. He's stuck there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anything anything could happen. But if he lives, I think it's a recast. Ali says Ezra's armor kind of looks like uh, Mithril. Lots of Lord of the Rings happening. Yeah, there is a cool little chain armor underneath his his tunic. That is pretty pretty sweet. Hopefully, it, it does come into play. It might just. Be I mean, I'm I'm assuming he pulls it from like the grunts that is the well, not the grunts, but like the horsemen, the cavalry that, uh, but uh, Sabine fights off right, and she does pretty well without with the lightsaber. It takes her to use the lightsaber, and I'm sure as her with the force, even without the lightsaber, it'll be a little bit of a challenge. But I'm sure maybe he would even is friendly ish with some of them. Like it'd be pretty interesting to see. The players involved in this like mini cold war between him and Thrawn, if that is a thing, who kind of like share some alliances, what are some things that they have to like negotiate on? That'd be pretty cool to yeah. see like what footholds he has in the cracks of Thrawn's persona of like, oh, I'm coming back to conquer the galaxy, right? Stuff like that. It'd be cool to see that what he's got planned because I mean, Thrawn's willing to just leave him and now Ansa being here, right? Or kill him, right? He's he's kind of closing all the doors on Ezra. He might open it again if Ezra survives and he'll be like together then. I'll give you a chance this time or like truly believe in my what I'm trying to fight for back on Sheila or something. Like you can still go to that book version. Now will that happen this season? No. I said we we need more time than I think if we if we deep in, dig into something that deep. If it's not that deep and he's trying to keep him abandoned and closed off here, then sure. Troy says, good world-building episode. Yeah, I agree, Troy. Definitely the last two have been great world-building without making it feel like world-building. Finn K says, what is Balin looking for? Do you guys think Bindu 2.0, Maul? Uh, uh, I mean, Maul, I think the best possible case scenario if you ever got to see Maul again post A New Hope would be some type of Night Sister spirit. I don't even think you would get like a Sith spirit, but I don't really want to see that. I think his story is concluded perfectly. If I see Mulligan, I would like it to be the Crimson Dawn Fall. Uh, but supposedly, I, I the Lando series is now a movie with the Glover brothers, yeah. Danny, Dan, uh, Donald Glover, and Steven. If we see Ray Park there again, 
great. I heard there was some weird like mini controversy with him. I was like, I'm not going to get into it, but uh, something in his personal life that doesn't have anything to do with his career, but it was weird. I just remember like people were like, he was supposed to do more. And then I guess he never did. He did the motion capture for Clone Wars though, two years yeah. later, essentially. So I was like, okay, so he's clearly cool with Lucasfilm. I'm sure they'll get to him and make use of him as best as they can. It may never be live action, but if there is a chance, it feels like Lando being tied back into this Crimson Dawn plotline feels important to me. So I, I'd like that to happen there. I think it will. I think there's no way we continue that the, the solo verse without jumping back into Crimson Dawn. Troy says, is Balin looking for the world between worlds? That is another possibility uh, after we introduced it kind of with Ahsoka, but we didn't go full world between worlds. Maybe Balin's where we do, if it does play a spot in the New Republic film, like if that is a an idea that Filoni has to really go for in that movie, maybe the Ahsoka kind of dream sequence is the introduction to it. Balin discovering a portal to it could be our first real interaction with it. And then eventually we get used to it kind of for the the future. Um, I wouldn't mind the world between worlds because it's what he's making it sound like is exactly what the world between worlds would do. But also it, it does it at first I was like thinking world between worlds, but it feels like we did it and we didn't really make much of it. So unless it is a progression, like it kind of just said, I think it's less likely and more likely that it's something completely new. Yeah. I mean, if he really wanted to be with the world between worlds, wouldn't he have listened to Ahsoka made sure that she was truly dead? He's really researched her. <laughs> I'm assuming he knows some things, even if he doesn't know about how she got resurrected, he knows about the Vader fight or something. He's a pretty knowledgeable guy as for, not a Jedi, right? So, mm -hmm. and even then, if he really wanted to, I feel like he would have been like somewhat aware of like this strange connection to Mortis and all that. I'm sure they've had some logs or something that they put at the Jedi Council Temple, some strange mysteries in the Force that other masters are aware of or something. I, I feel like he's knowledgeable enough about her to be like, okay, you've got something funny going on with you. Tell me what it is, right? And get into it somehow using her instead of just throwing her away so i i don't personally think so i think it's also in slightly poor taste to use the world between worlds and then say okay now we can finally go back to the past and change things no that's not what it is i think if we if we do somehow get him in dawn of the jedi or something he changes time it's not that he's changed the timeline it's just that he's been stuck in that time i think whatever he thinks is possible if he really does go to the world between worlds it's not it's just he gets dumped between space and time into a time that he has no real power in that and i think right. his influence his capabilities would be interesting in that era but i can't see it as like a now what i do now is going to change the story it'll just be like nope you're you're just there now yeah well and to even push back on that idea even a, li a little bit too is the idea that a lot of times when we have these like big universe altering things in fantasy, when you have the good guy do it, they're like, no, we have to be restrained. We can't mess with it. And then you have the bad guy just go head first into it and something crazy happens that kills them. I think we could see <sighs> Balin trying to reset time and world between worlds and he meets his end because of it. I think there's, that is always the possibility that if he actually does go back in time and change something or try to, which does not seem like a plot that fits into the rest of the story. 
if it's so if it's expansive like that if it's like really this true balin saga like if this was a soft pilot for a balin show that's so sad i would have loved to see Ray, Ray stevenson get his own thing but yeah i think we could see him try to actually use the world between worlds go through a portal bring somebody through and the consequences for him are just life altering they basically is dead because of it uh, matthew matias also loves you cynic i'm glad we have you as a very supportive member of our community matthew insurgent ewok the witches will resurrect dead troopers that we saw in caskets yeah i think that is a is a good possibility and i think you know again i i would prefer not all of them to be zombies but if 50 percent of them are or 40 percent of them are i'd be cool with that i mean it is a large army to have sustained for 10 years but they they have done it so if you know if i love some of them to at least be human yeah but i wouldn't mind a few being zombies and, and that kind of combination of the two i, I again i i want to stress that what makes Thrawn so cool is that he tries to use everything at his disposal. So I stress that he would use his Imperial knowledge and facilities that he still has, whatever he knows technicians to do some crazy things with and use maybe old dead bodies as, of great fighters as samples. Maybe do some strange, like almost strand cast work or something like he can do some really strange things because he can just be like, can you figure this out with Night Sister Magic? Okay, I'll supply the parts you need. I'm right. sure he'll he'll do something like that too because it's better to have a live being controlled by the force. I would say like that's what made Savage so cool that he was enhanced. What we didn't know is that it was also eating away at him, and you know he was forced to s sustain on that basically. At, by the end, that's kind of like the the nuance of having darker Night Sister magic versus what the stuff Marin does. So it's I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very excited to see what's in those because. It feels like it has uh, potential, a lot, a lot actually. Yeah, it does. Uh, so we're going to wrap up here really soon. We're going to cover the last couple questions. Grand Admiral CZL back in the chat from last week finally got to see, finally got the throne I wanted and loved every single second of it. I get two more episodes of it. Yeah, it's pretty great at Grand Admiral. I mean, we're so lucky as Star Wars fans to be at this point in Star Wars live action. Ali says, do you think the rest of the show will take place on Dathomir? I don't know if it'll take place on Dathomir, but we could see Dathomir maybe in the film. I don't know if we'll see it in the show, but I would bet it's stronger possibility than not. We get Dathomir at some point here in live action at, in, across either the end of this show or the film. I mean, if there is some strange connection between that galaxy that we're in now to the galaxy that we came from, yeah. Nexus points where I think we talk about world between worlds, but if what if there's something like almost like Lothal Temple way, right? Building off of the nature there, there's a connection between Peridia and uh, what's used here in Dathomir. Maybe yeah. eating all those Pergil helps them power some incredible generation of like Night Sister magic on Dathomir and transform the planet. And suddenly we just see like almost like get like a Star Trek idea, get that like the Genesis project and revitalizes like dead planets and all that but instead you have a night sister version of that twisted reality especially with some of the more nefarious beliefs that they've already displayed mm -hmm. that'd be great but i i don't know if we'd say it pretty yet if that's what you are possibly meaning like are we staying there we could i think he has to still be back like liam and i have stressed in the galaxy that we originally are in yeah getting the name drop of dathomir too in this episode was very cool so that like the idea that Night Sisters did 
have two home bases across two galaxies and traveled back and forth to them is and it's like well known because one idea i did think they might go with is that if this galaxy is so cut off from everything and it is a dead galaxy or they're just some beings that remain there's very little connection to the other side but the fact that these three grandmothers just walk up and they're like Hail sister from Dathomir. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. They they know about our galaxy too. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, David Fieldsen nice. says Balin sounded off his rocker like he wants to somehow permanently end the struggle between light and dark. Is he trying to get to Mortis? Yeah, Mortis <laughs> is another good possibility, although we don't really know what becomes of Mortis post Clone Wars with like without the father, daughter, and son there to keep balance. It would be, you know, it would be such a cool idea, though, if, like, Anakin post-death is, like, basically just is the Mortis God. Like, he he is now he can still have stationed his there. own issues and struggles. That's what helps yeah. us connect to, like, something like uh, Shadow of the Sith, right? Like, the, why is he pain? Why is he on Exegol through Titan? Like, what is he? Uh, I don't want to say too much more because that, uh, like, potential, man. Yeah, it's so cool. But... It could be Mortis. It could be anything. It could be World Between Worlds. It could be Mortis. I think any of these things that more particularly come with from Clone Wars or Rebels have a stronger possibility than any other theories we have out there. I'd love to see Filoni create something new in terms of it being some type of weapon that could go back in time, enhanced by Night Sister magic, something like that. But because the World Between Worlds, as much as I want to see it used more, is very scary for what it's it means, right? Like I thought. It's used in episode five was perfect. And then it's something that can exist. We know it can exist, but it shouldn't be something that's really ever used unless, like I kind of mentioned last uh, question, it has dire consequences for the people who use it. And otherwise, I would maybe prefer Mortis, but we don't even know. Mortis doesn't really have any connection to time and space either. It exists outside of time and space, but it doesn't. Nobody was able, or at least we didn't see it there, able to turn back time or traveled beyond so and it, it's uh, so different in clone wars because it's almost like torior the way that it's like it manifests yeah. in front of them in space and then they're back in like five seconds later right it's like a radio disconnect that's all it felt like for the clones like rex but then rebels we see Lothal, clearly the temple has a connection to it and like we see ezra literally entered through there as a nexus point right so are we are we gonna do something like that yes it's a very strong possibility more so the rebels version than the Clone Wars version, but like Liam stressing, I think why settle here? You're already doing some incredible stuff. Why settle? Yeah, I'd love to see new stuff. Matthew Matias says, Can we see your guys' lightsaber collection one time? Yeah, that could be a video, sure. I got one, so I need to invest. <laughs> that's that's what I got. It's it's it's, uh, it's so low quality, but has enough meaning that it's cool to have. But it's not like a model, like the one you always see creeping behind, like Liam's corner when <laughs> over of his shoulder when we we're like recording something, right? It's I need to yeah. invest for something like that. <laughs> what is this character specific lightsaber? It's, it's a Yoda one. It's a Yoda one. So okay. it's 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 more unique than the typical cheap saber, but it, it's the story that matters to it more so than the the build quality. <laughs> <laughs> well then yeah that could be a video for the future uh, uh we're gonna let, wrap up here last few questions 
where was I? David Fieldson. Can't believe we saw Theron and Ezra before we get to see Zeb. I mean, we did get to see Zeb technically, but <laughs> not in the show. Yeah, I wish we had Zeb a part of the crew a little bit. Um, Ali says D Squad. Yeah, Niebuhr, Gaskin. I think George Lucas's favorite episodes of Clone Wars. <laughs> Mav 11 promised Sabine by Balin he would lead her to Ezra, but never said alive or dead. Yeah, I mean, t- typical villain stuff. I thought he was going to say that, honestly, to her when she was saying that in the cell. Um, but basically implied it. MCT Consortium. I'm excited to see how these storylines opening up with Thrawn, Ahsoka, New Galaxy, etc. And implications will connect circumstances of sequel trilogy and or the circumstances of post-sequel era. Yep, <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. We're going straight into it, MCT, because this is this is the bridge. This is the start of the bridge between everything. The New Republic era is an era that will last for 30 years in this timeline. So this could just be the start of a brand new massive initiative that it's they are going to continue expanding for decades, but they're not really you know like high republic they're like this is the high republic initiative dawn of the jedi i assume will be announced as the same type of thing knights of the old, old republic, republic. Old republic will yeah. be the same as well but this is just going to be something they continue to expand upon because this is our anchor to star wars this is our yeah. anchor to what most people know is star wars so it's going to be awesome hope that i hope they do a good job yeah absolutely agree <laughs> All right, and we're going to wrap up, Jet. Uh, never been in. Did I miss the Grand Admiral Elon segment? Yeah, you did. We actually did talk directly about that. So go back and rewind, watch the rest of the stream earlier. And then Zach Spano says, just saw the latest episode. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Thank you all so much for joining our stream. We had a great time talking Ahsoka with all of you, and we appreciate your support. Make sure you hit that like button and you're subscribed to the channel. If you are new, we have a ton of Ahsoka coverage coming soon. If you missed our review at the beginning of this, we will have a review up in the morning if you'd like to check it out. We also have predictions for episode seven, the penultimate episode already, which is kind of sad, but I can't wait to see it. That's going to be coming out on Friday. Check out our Rebels characters tier list if you haven't. There's also a new bracket up. It's Dark Side Power Rankings. I know we're in we're in a spot with a lot of ones people don't know, and that is very fair, uh, but we need to make it comprehensive. So go vote if you do know who uh, Vergeer or Naga Sadao is. And then tomorrow we will have more for you. Two a day, every day, for the next five days until we get through our play-in. Also stay tuned for some more content coming out and make sure you check out our Patreon and YouTube membership tiers. We do have a lot of cool perks there that help you interact with us more directly. If you are interested in even more exclusive live streams, there are perks on there for all that type of stuff. So give it a check. See if you can help us out in any way you can. We greatly appreciate all of your support. And if you're watching our replay, make sure you comment your thoughts as well. Join us next week, every single Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for the Ahsoka Episode 7 discussion. I'm sure it'll be another big one. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. We'll see you all next time.